You find yourself at The Hurt Take. I am your host, Reese Dobigan. You are at the MMA podcast by the fans for the fans. Boy, and I was a fan this weekend. My, uh, I took the trip up to Edmonton, Alberta. Taking UFC 215. Boy, I tell you, you you know what? Alberta, we do not get a lot of good luck. We do not get good luck when it comes to these UFC cards. Granted, we've only had two chances, and both times, the cards have ultimately kind of fallen apart on us. You know, UFC, when they came to Calgary, of course, we were supposed to have all these amazing fights, and I, I can't even remember the, the sheer list of fights that dropped out. But ultimately, the card became kind of middling, and then the way that the card actually played out, there were some absolute snoozers on that card snoozers now we come to UFC 215 in Edmonton Alberta the first thing we find out that Francis Ngannou and Junior Dos Santos aren't gonna fight that's when we should have all known better we should have known better we don't get to have nice things but fine fine it happens it happens then fight night comes or then, then fight week comes, and Thursday night, the night before the weigh-ins, Ray Borg is pulled from his title fight against Demetrius Johnson, deemed unfit by the UFC medical team, and we lose our headliner. Oh my God, that that was the worst. That was such. A gut punch of a feeling. But hey, you know what? I thought to myself, cards can be saved. There are there are many UFC cards that are no star names, no title fights, no... You know, it doesn't seem to have anything going for it in terms of hype. And then they're just great fights. And you love it. And I'll tell you what, Canadians... Canadian audiences tend to be pretty pretty great. You know, we cheer, we get into it, we love every fighter. It doesn't matter what your name is so long as people show up and they're they're ready to fight. And that Edmonton crowd was ready. They did not care the DJ wasn't on the card. Yeah, so I guess you could say there were other reasons for that. <laughs> According if you if you follow the Dana White school of thought, People just didn't really care about that fight, so whatever. But the but the crowd was ready to go. They were ready to be into it. That place was nearly full for the Facebook fight pass prelim first fight of the night. The place was nearly packed, ready to go. Fans are ready. Cajun Johnson's intro was on fire. He was looking good. The fans were cheering. And then, and then that night just kind of started becoming what, what I think it ultimately became. A night of strange ups and strange lows. Or I guess I say strange highs and strange lows. Strange ups and strange downs. The exciting fights were exciting for really strange reasons that ultimately made the narrative of the fight different than maybe what you know and the finish might have 
suggested or the the pace might have suggested. Jeremy Stevens versus Gilbert Melendez was a great fight because Melendez couldn't stand for most of the for most of the fight. Every time he took a leg kick in like rounds two and three, he was going down because his leg was so messed up. So it was it was a very exciting fight. There was a lot of emotion involved, but a lot of people were actually wanted the fight to stop. You know, it, it was pretty brutal to watch. Meanwhile, a few of the finishes on the night came at the end of boring fights, like Cajun Johnson's knockout or or Sarah McMahon getting submitted by Vieira. Like those were boring fights up until the point when they ended. So the ending was kind of like, a, ah, and that was it. So, you know, a card when you got four unanimous decisions, two fights people were screaming for to be stopped, a dancing competition, a wrestling match, and a title fight that was just kind of leisurely paced and had very little back and forth. Card, it was so-so. It was just okay. But it was fun to be there. Admittedly, it was fun to be there. It's always good to be in the house. Now, of course, the big topic... As big as it could possibly be, considering it seems like nobody really paid attention other than fight fans, was the headliner, Amanda Nunez and Valentina Shevchenko. Their fight was originally supposed to happen a couple months ago. Of course, the story now, Nunez uh, had sinusitis, or still can't pronounce it. Who cares? All I know is that she had a nasal blockage thing. And Dana White crushed her. He said she could have fought. Valentina Shevchenko crushed her, said she should have fought. But Nunez said she, you know, she wasn't ready to go. She wasn't ready to go. Uh, she was having balance issues and she didn't, she helped me didn't fight. Now this was the re- this was the, the rebooking of that. And, you know, fight fans, I think a lot of fight fans were excited for it. Hardcore fans were excited to see this fight. Nunez and Shevchenko had fought once before. Both of them had looked good since. You know, Nunez won the belt, crushed Ronda Rousey, sent her into retirement. There was some hype for this. And ultimately, I think that this fight suffered because it didn't happen the first time. If this fight, even even the fight, the way that it happened, if it had, if it had happened when it was supposed to, same story, same everything, but it happened when it was supposed to, I don't think we'd be talking about how lame this was. But because it was rebooked, and because we lost the headliner with DJ, the narrative was set. And when they both came out, and Nunez didn't really press the pace, and Shevchenko didn't really press the pace and stood back and countered, and they went all five rounds, and there never seemed to be an energy, that was it. That was it. You got the reception that you got. Now, some people are complaining about the decision. Some people think that Shevchenko won. Other people, you know, are with the, the Nunez decision ultimately. But what's really interesting about this, okay, is you got to look at the cards. The judges, Sal Diamato, David Terrian, and Tony Weeks, were all, they were in a tough position, man, because all, all four of those first four rounds were close. All four of them were close. All three of the judges differed on rounds. So it's not like they all saw every round the same way. Round one was the only round where all three dr- judges agreed. 
So they all saw it ultimately coming coming to it different ways, but they all saw it going 38-38 into the fifth. Okay. So I, I I don't know how you can really complain then based on the fifth frame that Nunez didn't win. It was narrow, it was thin, but really like this is not some robbery. This is not something where you know, Nunez won. Whether you win by an inch or a mile, she won. The fact is that, to me, the fact is when there's any kind of debate in an MMA fight about judging, a debate where it's a back and forth, Shevchenko won, no, Nunez won. Why? Because of this. No, because of that. And people are actually having this heated debate that's back and forth. It means that the person who ultimately lost didn't do anything to silence a potentially vocal group of people. She didn't do enough to silence people, to put people to rest that that she really won this fight. There were people out there who thought she lost and were vocal enough about it to have the debate. The fact there was a debate meant she didn't she didn't win. Meant she didn't win. It means she shouldn't really be upset about it. I mean, for her, fine. She put in all this time and she's frustrated. But for anyone else, you can't really be frustrated with the decision. Shevchenko didn't do enough to shut people up. When your performance isn't enough to definitively shut up a group of people, you didn't do enough to win. It sucks. It sucks. But that's the truth. You know, this fight didn't do anybody any favors. Nunez doesn't look better coming out of it. Shevchenko doesn't look coming out of it. Good coming out of it. Neither one of them comes out of this looking good. The the pay-per-view numbers are probably not going to be great. So the UFC doesn't look good coming out of this. Nobody seemed to win coming out of this. It's the anti-McGregor Mayweather. Nobody won coming out of this. Now, what what happened really to lead to this? I mean, Shevchenko is the fighter she is. She's been fighting for a long, long time. She is who she is. She doesn't get flustered. And by the but on the on the on the flip side of that same coin, she doesn't get flustered flustered, and so she doesn't really feel urgency. She sticks to her plan. She wanted to stand on the perimeter and counter strike. She, she was upset that she said, look at her face, look at the damage she did. But there was no significant enough damage. This wasn't like Gavin Tucker's face after, the, after his fight with uh, Rick Glenn. Didn't look like that. You know, Shevchenko didn't have Nunez ever rocked. She didn't have her ever seemingly worried. She didn't ever really push her back. She stood and she counter-striked. And she landed more to the head. She landed more punches. But she was ultimately outstruck over the course of the fight. Now, the way the judging works and, you know, what constitutes effective striking isn't based entirely on volume. But it, it, it is significantly based on damage and dominance. And Shevchenko dominated that fight? No. Kidding me? Nunez, meanwhile... Brought a real lackluster game plan. I think at the press conference she said that her number one goal was to prove that she could go five rounds. That's your that's your number one goal. That's your goal. 
to prove you can go five rounds. Now, maybe there was some kind of, that's not really what she meant. Like she was trying to say that, you know, she wanted to prove she could go five rounds. Like she wanted to show that she could go the distance. But if that was her goal, like if that was part of her plan, like that was what the fight was about, that is a terrible goal. That is a reactive goal. That is someone who's saying, you know, that's someone who's listening to the criticisms about themselves and and then trying to do everything in their part to 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 prove people wrong. Which I think is a terrible goal. You know, it and that brings up an issue, a thing that I've always had about MMA fighters is there's there's a lot of them that are way too sensitive to public opinion. We're going to talk about Ray Borg in a bit. You want to talk about someone who is way too sensitive to public opinion. You know, Nunez didn't want to prove she could go five rounds to herself. It was it was for her detractors. That's the way that that comes across. You know, and then after the fight, while people were booing, you know, she just went on and on and spent minutes on the mic defending herself. At the weigh-ins the night before, she wore headphones because she said she didn't want to hear what Shevchenko had to say. What? That's... There's just a lot that she's done that has not helped her. And then she brought this game plan? You know, she... She, she was just trying to conserve her energy so much that she almost did very... Like, nothing. Did very little. Never put herself in a position to win that fight. We're so used to, Shev to, to Nunez... You know, being an aggressor. And in this fight, there was none of that. Again, didn't do her any favors. So where do we go from here? Where do we go? We'll tell you what, there's definitely not going to be a rematch. If the UFC has learned anything after, after Thompson versus Woodley, and then the rematch they had... The UFC is never going to make the mistake of rebooking a boring title fight. Narrow title fights. Listen, if the champ wins, the champ wins. Unless it's controversial, they will not rebook a boring title fight ever again. And this was a boring title fight. So I don't see these two fighting again soon. So what does each, what does each fighter do? You know, I'd like to see the UFC just drop Shevchenko down, tell her, listen, go down to your natural weight class. Take on the take on the champ at, at the at the, in the new women's flyweight division. You know, they're deciding that on this year's season of tough. Go down there and promote the shite out of her. She can be a star if you promote her the right way. She can. She's got the look, she's got a great attitude, she's kind of aggressive. She reminds me a lot of Joanna and Jacek. Maybe not as, you know, her fight style is not the same way. But all that matters is that you win. So if she goes down to 125 and you promote the hell out of her and you really try and make it like, all right, she can be a star. And then she wins, you double down. And you keep doubling down. She can be a star. She can be. The UFC's just got to play it right. And this is the way it is with all their fighters. We'll get into this in a second, but in terms of you can promote a fighter. You can make anyone a star if you do it right. Which brings us to Nunez. Where does she go from here? I'll be quite honest. I 
I have no clue. I do not know what you do with her. Promotion is about narrative. Once And once a narrative takes hold, it's very difficult to change it. There are a lot of fighters out there. Once a narrative takes hold, they are, they are who the fans think they are. They are the story that the fans that has been built up in the public sphere. Conor McGregor is a great example. I mean, he became a... He's a superstar, but, like, his narrative began pretty quick, pretty early. It was in stone. Pretty quick. And Nunez is one of those fighters whose narrative has now taken hold. You know, if you want to make someone a star, it is a process. It does not happen overnight, but once it happens... And it's taken hold. You, it's hard to change that in the mind of fan, in the minds of fans. You know, making someone a star is like making a cross country drive. Okay, if at any point you take the wrong turn off, you can make a couple route changes and get back to the highway pretty quick and not lose too much. But if you go on the wrong highway and you don't get off it, and then you make another wrong turn and another wrong turn. The, the effort and the time it will take you to get back to the highway, to make it to your destination, is almost too overwhelming to even try. You've come too far to turn around and start over, and you've gone too far for the journey to be valuable, and that is Amanda Nunes. The fans, I don't think they like her. The fans have turned on her after... She dropped out of that one, uh, her one fight, the first Shevchenko, and then after her lackluster performance yesterday and the way she handled it, I think the fans, I think they've turned on her. So I don't know what you do with her. You know, I feel like she had a chance. The UFC had a chance. And then fate, just, just the gods of chance, they all took their turns trying to make her a star and they all steered her off course. And it sucks because she's a good fighter. And she could she could have been a big star, and I don't think she will now. Side note, is she popular in Brazil? Because I don't I don't seem to notice if she is. You know, the way that like when the Andersons and the Aldos and the Belforts and the the Nogueras, like they were I can't remember hearing much about her appeal in Brazil. I don't know. So I don't know what you do with her. I think, ultimately, I think. And this sucks to say. I think you 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 throw her to the wolves. She wants she wanted to go up and fight Cyborg. Give her go ahead. Give her to Cyborg because here's the thing. You will get a star out of that either way. Maybe you're sacrificing one of your fans and you're you're damaging their reputation, but listen, how, she she will never be a bigger star. Unless, uh, if she just keeps doing what she's doing. She will be a bigger star if she beats Chris Cyborg Justino. Cyborg is on the verge of it. And there's a lot that swirls around her about her conditioning and her weights and who's she ever going to fight and whatever. But listen, you can have a fighter be a superstar by fighting nobodies. Ronda Rousey technically did that, you know. 
There's a lot of fighters who have done that. So you give a champion to Cyborg, and either Cyborg wastes her and becomes a bigger star, and you have then you have a star that you can market, that you can promote. You have one. Or Nunez beats her. And you build Nunez's name off of Cyborg. Either way, they build their name off each other. But one of them has to be sacrificed. Because if you leave her in Bantamweight, what do you do with her? Who do you put her up against? How do you promote her? Nobody pays attention to her. But they would if she was in a slugfest with Cyborg. That's all I'm going to say. Now some other highlights from the UFC 215 card. RDA. Boy. Woo. He looked dominant against Neil Magny. Uh, Neil Magny still struggles to use his length. He is the tallest dude in that division. And, and he does not seem to know how to keep guys off him. RDA just waited right in there. Took him down. Submitted him. Made it look easy. Could Dos Anjos be an eventual challenger versus Tyron Woodley? Yeah, absolutely. And hell, I'm just gonna throw it out there. They have a good look. You put them on a fight on a on a poster together. RDA's all shredded. Tyron Woodley's all shredded. They just look like two dudes who are gonna throw down. And maybe RDA is the guy to bring that out of Tyron Woodley. Because RDA is a pressure fighter. He comes after you. He works you back. I mean, he's the perfect kind of guy. Thompson. The big problem with the Thompson fight was Thompson pressed Woodley back to the cage. And that was Woodley's strategy. He was going to get his back to the cage to, to eat up that distance, force the other guy into his range, and counter. But RDA is actually going to back you up to the cage and then start putting volume on you. So Thompson got him to the cage and then was afraid to throw. RDA could bring that. I would watch that fight. Hashtag would watch. Also, you on UFC 215, uh, we mentioned the Stephen Thompson-Gilbert Melendez fight. That was ugly. Uh, I was one of the people who thought they should have stopped it, but I guess I was proven wrong. No broken bone in his leg. So Gilbert's okay. But still, it was nasty to watch. Uh, Jeremy Stevens looked great. He's definitely in line for a step up in competition. Meanwhile, Gilbert falls to, I think, 1-4 in in his UFC career. Safe to assume that maybe he's near the end. You know, now don't bring up how much the UFC paid him and the free agent stuff. They got every cent that they paid him. He's been in some wars, some great fights. They were able to really build some names off of him. So don't feel too bad for him. Sarah Morass-Smith with a wonderful armbar finish. Um... Good for her, hometown, you know, Canadian. The, that energy in the in the in the arena that was really good, uh, and hilarious on the mic, admitting that she hoped that the help elbow hyperextended. Oh my god, so Canadian, honestly, that was just hilarious. And now the big story that's coming out of this, one of the big stories was the Gavin Tucker versus Rick Glenn fight. Um, oh gosh. So I had to say I have I can't remember a fight like this in some time, um, and now the connection to the city of Edmonton, you know, the city in which Tim Haig just recently died. It, it's a bit too obvious to not be unsettling, and listen, I don't think that this fight is going to escape the politicians up there either, because 
Alberta is unique in Canada. The commissions are all municipal-based, not provincial. And I think the mayor of Edmonton, after Tim Hague died, you know, sounded sounded the call to try and rally people together for a provincial commission. And there's been crickets on it because, of course, that's what we do in Canada. Um, I don't know. We don't seem to care about putting together a commission that's going to encourage more events in our province if it's well run, all these, whatever, fine. Anyways, the point is, Gavin Tucker took a beating against Rick Glenn, a beating. He broke uh, bones in his face, his jaw, I think his orbital bone. He took an absolute beating, and the ref didn't stop it. And it was hard to watch. It was really hard to watch. Because he was out, he not he was outmatched. He was bludgeoned. I think there was a ten seven on one scorecard. A ten seven. I mean that you'd have to knife a guy in the cage to get a ten seven. That's insane. You know, Tucker came out on social media. Uh, didn't want to lay blame at the foot of referee Kyle Cardinal. Fine, but sorry, Gavin. Like, like all athletes, you don't get to absolve the referee, okay? Referees are appointed, and they're appointed by people that are appointed, okay? Referees are there to protect you, and that means protecting you from yourself, too. That's why we have laws that prevent people from doing stupid shit like drunk driving. It's because societally, we want to protect people from harming themselves as well as others. Okay, philosophically, what, what does it say about us human beings if we're not willing to step in and say enough is enough? Enough is enough. So no, Gavin, while I respect the gesture, okay, while I respect uh, your toughness, you only get to absolve the referee for you. The rest is up to us. And that was hard to watch. And that was upsetting. And considering everything I said about the Tim Hague and the city of Edmonton, not a good look. Really, really not a good look. Now, one of the biggest stories, of course, I mentioned this at the top of the hour. We were supposed to have Demetrius Johnson versus Ray Borg we were supposed to have history this weekend. Now, this was something I don't think that UFC was promoting that angle enough of it, which was a shame, an absolute shame. I think they could have done more, but, you know, Dana White doesn't like DJ, so that's fine. But we were robbed of history when Ray Borg fell ill and had to pull out. And th that would be one thing. But then the situation gets even stranger. So Borg is pulled on Thursday by the UFC's doctors. And then we get all these reports, Ariel Hawani is saying it wasn't weight cut related. And then, of course, people are saying, yeah, right. Like when you get sick and you're cutting all kinds of weight, of course, it's weight cut related. And, and then the next day, Saturday, that Ray Borg fires his nutrition team perfecting athletes because he said that they weren't permitted to speak on his behalf. So it turns out that all these sources 
The weight cutting, he wasn't because of weight cutting, was his nutrition team. Apparently, Dr. Michelle Engels, one of the two founders of Perfecting Athletes, released the statement saying the illness wasn't weight-related. So Borg fired him. Then they countered with a statement of their own alleging that they did have permission to speak on his behalf. We're talking about some drive-by stuff outside of the cage here. Very, very interesting. Uh, where do I stand on it? I don't know. Borg was pulled by the UFC doctors. You have to trust, again, that he was not healthy. Whether it was weight cut related, again, I'm not a doctor. There are people far smarter than I who could answer that question. But we have seen, anecdotally, in the past, that, that when guys and girls, like when, when they cut weight, it causes strange effects on your body. Probably makes you, your immune system effed up and makes you get sick easier. There you go. That's Dr. Reese. And of course, Ray Borg's not getting any help from his teammate Donald Cerrone, who said in an interview that Borg should have fought. Yeah, thanks, Donald. How much of teammates they really are, how often they train together, who knows. But really, way to throw that guy under the bus. Hey. Truly a shame. Truly a shame. Would have loved to see Demetrius and Ray Borg. That was going to be a fun matchup. And now, they're probably going to be booked for 216. Coming up here in about a month or so, I think. But it's a shame. I, I, was, I really was hoping to see that live and be part of History Live. Instead, I got Amanda Nunez versus Valentina Shevchenko. Let that sink in. Now, as a last note, I want to say happy trails to Canadian Mitch Clark, who retired on Saturday, left his gloves in the cage. You know, had a re just a great, real, real classy sign-off, you know? I again, I, I think it's funny... <laughs> I think it's funny that Joe Rogan has said before that he doesn't like interviewing guys after being knocked out and concussions and stuff. But this is an exception, okay? Maybe he was concussed, but the guy was retiring. He was he was there enough to... I was sitting there with, with our boy Mitch Bayless, and we were looking down, and Mitch was saying, hey, he's talking to Joe, and he's talking to Bruce. Like, I think he's retiring. And he was right. He called it. So he was there enough to, to say that stuff. Classy sign-off. Mitch Clark, you know, a career journeyman, but always been someone that has brought in interesting uh, interesting elements to the sport. You know, a Canadian fighter. There's only so many of them, so it's tough when we lose one. But happy trails, Mitch Clark. Happy trails to you, listeners. I want to thank you for joining me for the Hurt Take, the MMA podcast by the fans for the fans. Signing off for another week. Don't miss Triple G versus Canelo this weekend, people. Come on. Give it a chance. Give boxing a real chance. All right, that's enough. I'm done. I'm done. We'll see you next week. I am 